Hello, you're listening to Dole Capital. You're with Ben, coming to you from the main streets of Canberra in the ACT. Hopefully, this episode will either be entertaining, interesting, or even motivating for all you cage-rattling tragics out there. On this episode, why we need Australian unions that will fight for working people more than ever, and why I'm supporting the challenge to the Community and Public Sector Union PSU Group's leadership this election. Yeah, there's an important election on, and very interesting for those that are interested in following such things. But first... Before the episode gets going, we are on Patreon. This show wouldn't be possible without our patrons and supporters. Very much thank you, and I was very gracious in um, accepting our heartfelt thanks for supporting this show. Your solidarity uh, keeps this show on the road, keeps us motivated to keep doing things, and you can do so to show your solidarity to Dole Capital by going to www.patreon.com forward slash Dole Capital, D-O-H-K-A-P-I-T-A-L. The other way you can show support is by liking, sharing, and subscribing on your relevant and preferred podcast application. Thank you to our supporters who have helped us with our broadcast hosting fees and equipment. That's really what the fees go on and helping us with resources to keep putting things out. Your help supports motivate and resources to make more content. Before we get going, I'd like to acknowledge that we're recording on Anunawal land and pay our respects to their elders past, present and future and emerging, yep, whose sovereignty was never ceded and who we express our solidarity with struggles to end continuing injustices for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. I'd also like to set, express our solidarity and absolute horror at the situation in Palestine. Uh, one month now since the horrible events that took place in uh, the border between Gaza and Israel, and since then over 10,000 people have been killed, uh, and it doesn't seem to want to stop. There are rallies and protests planned that will continue, and much solidarity with people who are heading off to um, protest events around Australia and around the world. Uh, from Friday and into the weekend. So if you would like to see uh, and support a ceasefire, which I think is really the most minimal thing that people can really agree on, and we really should get behind that, get in contact with your local MP, particularly your Labor MP, and let them know that you'd like to see a ceasefire and support calls for a ceasefire. Or, um, you know, you can go further. Why don't we stop having any diplomatic relations with Israel altogether? That would be my view. But anyway, ceasefire first, I'll be happy with that. Uh, so solidarity for people who are getting out uh, over the weekend. This episode has been recorded on the 8th of uh, November. So plenty of things coming up soon over the weekend to politically get your teeth in around. So have lots of fun and get along to those struggles and events and show your solidarity with the people uh, that are um, fighting for, a, for peace in Israel and in Palestine. So on today's show, um, yeah, I wanted to talk briefly about a couple of things. This one's mainly brought on for the fact that I did have some guests uh, lined up, and I will be talking to them after an event happens. But I figured I really need to get in there and say something now while um, the time is, well, important. So what I wanted to talk about was the fact that we really do need unions in Australia that are actually going to fight for wage increases that 
beat the cost of living. Maybe even go better. There was a time I remember, and I'm like of a vintage that I can remember wage rises that went above the uh, CPI, above the inflation. And um, yeah, a long time ago. Funnily enough, it actually even happened under the Howard government back in the 90s. But that's that's me showing my pedigree there. For such a long time now, wages have been squeezed in Australia. And uh, for example, the public sector is currently sitting on the wage price index, which measures uh, wage increases in the public sector, is currently at 3%. The, the average hourly wage change for those uh, jobs receiving a pay rise were 3% in the public sector, in line with the March quarter to 2023, and notably higher than June 2022, 2.4%. Woohoo! The high average hourly wage change compared with the June quarter 22 was due to scheduled increases under recently ratified enterprise agreements. So uh, some could, we could all go, you beauty, the Australian unions are delivering. That is fantastic. The uh, Albanese government has let loose the shackles and Australian unions are getting on with it. We're winning uh, fantastic wage rises. Well, that's not really the whole story, is it, comrades? Because at the same time, inflation has continued to be a absolute disaster and a kicker for working people in the poor in Australia, just as it has elsewhere. The cost of profit crisis continues. It's a crisis of profits. It's not a price, uh, crisis of the cost of living. It's a uh, If there's a cost of living crisis, it's been brought on by out-of-control profits by the big end of town. But you can listen to other uh, more detailed information on some excellent uh, independent media sites. I recommend Navarra Media, Jacobin, or the Tribune or many other publications you can go and check out to get some deeper uh, international analysis about the cost of profits crisis. But in Australia, let's talk about inflation. According to the Bureau of Statistics, the monthly consumer price index rose to 7.4% in the year to January 2024, which was down by the 8.4% in December 22. That was a Merry Christmas, wasn't it? The ABS here is quoted as saying that the inflation data still shows a high increase in the cost of goods and services. The inflation rate in Australia was 8% in 2023, with the real value of the dollar decreasing recently. So what we've got is not a good situation. The most significant rises in uh, the consumer price index in Australia um, were in automotive fuel, which was up by 7.2%, rents 2.2%, and new dwelling purchases was up by one3 and all electricity up by 4.2%. The other thing I wanted to sort of mention here is, um, well, I might park that actually, what we want to talk about here. So the cost of living, things are going up and wages are not keeping pace at all. And they've not kept pace for a very long time. You probably have to be, uh, anyone can work this out. When you go to shopping these days, you'll see it in terms of goods that used to be a mainstay. If you went down to local Woolies or whatever, um, have significantly increased in the, in the last number of years. And it's become quite a stark conversation. So much so, so uh, the big supermarket companies have had to change many of their Advertising campaigns, you know, feed a family for 10 bucks, you can figure out about that stuff. That's all been going on. It's been happening for a number of years now. And I guess the point is we now have a federal Labor government under Anthony Albanese's leadership where people really are expecting a lot more in terms of delivering for working people and the poor. 
And well, it's not great, is it? Now let's head back to wages. What we've got in terms of wages in the public sector, so 3%, that's great. So Bullio, we're up to 3% in 2023. And here's an interesting stat for you. It's the highest it's been since March 2013 at 3.1%. Uh, that's the wages price index, according to the Australian Bureau of Stats. So it's taken 10 years for public sector wages to get above 3 point, um, to actually, well, hit 3%, to get that high, right? So we're not even beating the 2013 figure. Now, 2013 is an interesting figure um, time because it is a time just before the Liberal National Party um, came into office. And in the public sector, it was at a time when the biggest uh, public sector union in the Commonwealth and then an ACT in Northern Territory, which also covers ACT in Northern Territory governments, was gearing up for a big fight against, well, whoever was going to win government. And unfortunately, the LNP won. And then secondly, the leadership of that union, the Community and Public Sector Union's public uh, PSU group, decided not to fight at all. Uh, pulled the pin on it, let everyone be isolated, didn't coordinate national coordinated industrial action, and had us sort of led that union into a historic defeat. And now after 10 years, wages in the Australian public service and in other sectors that are covered by that union have continued to be held back, to stagnate, to be cut as a, reduced, as a result of cost of living pressures. So that's not great. So why does it matter for What's going on in the public sector? Why is it a big deal? Well, in, in Australia, as it is in other countries, the public sector is one of the main areas of union industrial um, unions that are organised in the workplace. What happens in the public sector in Australia does matter for all other industries. It helps set a benchmark for wages in many ways, as well as conditions. Some of the better things are able that are able to be won in the public sector has implications for uh, other industries and other unions in terms of what they'll ask for and what they'll campaign for. So under the Morrison-led uh, government, well, the last government, but the uh, under Liberal National Party governments from Abbott, Turnbull, and Morrison, wages were absolutely squeezed in the APS can remember the time of people getting 1% or 1.5% wage rises at one, at one point. Absolutely terrible. As inflation has grown and continued, wages have been held back for a very long time. So that's going on in the public sector. Meanwhile, in the private sector, things are not great. So while there's been some more activism around, what's been really strange is to actually see some unions go into things with a pretty strange attitude towards um, their enterprise bargaining. The the more weird one for me was watching the United Workers Union in Victoria, who've conducted a number of disputes, two of which are quite recently. One, an historic one in the dairy industry, where if you looked at what they were they, they were taking industrial action for, which is great, coordinating industrial action, fantastic. Their claims were below inflation. Um, very very strange some of those pay um, deals that they won in some they had some success and i'm not sure where the dairy ones ended up at but um, it is quite concerning that you where we've got a union bureaucracy that doesn't seem to be able to count uh, the number again eight percent inflation and in the public sector it's three percent wage increase so what you're signing on to right now would be uh, the equivalent of taking a five percent cut but it's not even that. The inflation that you're paying that's um, sort of there, you've still got the legacy of what inflation was in the last quarter or the quarter before then. 
So just because something has increased to something, and even if it drops a bit, you're not going to see that drop for some time. So I guess the whole point is this: there's not a, it's not an automatic transaction between a wage increase and inflation. So the cost of living will continue to be out of whack while wages continue to be restrained the way they are. Meanwhile, we've also got the the fact that in Australia today, or was it yesterday? Sorry, the Reserve Bank of Australia. Um, well, now we've had something like uh, over a dozen um, interest rate rises um, over the last two odd years or so. Um, there was a pause for a couple of a couple of months, but the reaction of the uh, the neoliberals who run our Reserve Bank is to yet again continue with interest rates rises, which. Look, people who have taken out loans to buy houses puts them under a lot of pressure. But more in particular, it's got a knock-on effect to all those people who rent, who uh, have very limited rights in this country to uh, be able to tell their uh, landlords that they can't pay more than what they can pay. Uh, people are paying anywhere up to 30, 40, sometimes 50% or more of their income on renting um, just so someone else can take their money while they go and work. <laughs> Crazy stuff, but anyway, I digress. So, lots of pressures on uh, the Australian working class and poor people in Australia. And we've got a union bureaucracy, which I, I'm looking at it, scratching my head. There are some examples and some notable examples of some unions that are having a go. Uh, big nods to the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, who have been doing some really interesting things in the uh, fast food sector and in retail, particularly in Woolworths. We've actually had the first industrial action in uh, the supermarket sector, uh, some were saying in 100 years or just literally for decades, 70 odd years or something like that, out in Broken Hill. Great place, where I'm from originally. Um, yeah. Crazy stuff. There are some uh, examples, but not much. We've got a lot of bang in the drum about talking about the cost of profits crisis from the Australian Council of the Trade Unions and from others. Uh, there's quite a good political campaign. I quite liked that the Construction, Forestry, Mining and uh, Maritime Union, or the CFM, or maybe the Construction Division, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, put out recently. Uh, talking about super profit taxes and the like, that's great. Um, but it's just a, a continuation. I mean, it's good. It's positive. Political campaigns are useful, yeah? But really, what's missing and what we have been seeing uh, is missing is using the resources of trade unions to really get in and empower and organise workers' place power on the basis of democracy and member-led activism to actually build up uh, an organisation and a plan to coordinate action that will challenge anti-union laws and challenge the current status quo we've got where workers in Australia continue to be expected to accept um, cuts to their wages, continue to accept becoming poorer and poorer while the big end of town is having a laugh. So we've got a few two examples of Australian unions doing anything much to challenge the cost of profit crisis other than those campaigns. I mean, look, I'm dyslexic. I'm the first to admit that maths is a struggle to me, but seriously, in the APS land, the Parliamentary Labor Party, the federal government, the so-called generous offer to APS workers there of 11.2%, that was a revised offer, people, 1%, a miserly 1% increase, or the equivalent of um, a 3.7% pay rise is just not going to keep pace with inflation at all.
For me, that is why challenging existing union bureaucracies, existing leaderships needs to happen Anytime people have an opportunity to do so, it absolutely needs to happen. The union leaderships in Australia, so many of them are run by people who have been there for way too long, have become very comfortable and relaxed, and are not actually making any serious challenges to the government, let alone the employers over wages and conditions. So look, there's a fantastic opportunity that's developed in the Australian Public Service where the Community and Public Sector Union, PSU, is currently in the process of having its elections. Now, these elections cover uh, Australian Public Service in the uh, Commonwealth, as well as Northern Territory, ACT Government, and what's left of um, communications bits that are either privatised or um, semi-government um, uh, run, like, say, like the, uh, the ABC, for example. So, um, across quite a large sector, uh, sectors, I should say, uh, of that union's coverage and there's elections on now and for the first time in 20 odd years is there's been a challenger full ticket that's running against the current incumbent group which is very exciting but that's good but i want to swing back to in terms of what um about the wage offer so this is from today's right act so on the 8th of uh, november the right act which is a uh, local act publication uh, focused on news and uh, things happening in Canberra. And obviously, um, public sector pay rises are interesting. And they do have an impact on the economy here. Uh, but I'm just going to quote Jordana from Members United when she talks about, in this article uh, from um, the Riot Act, the, the government may not be willing to be um, to better the current offer, but it cannot, cannot deny that it's been outpaced by inflation. So uh, Members United here, this is Jordana Colvin. Um, saying here that if we were to take the 11.2% deal on the table, at the end point of the proposed agreement, this person's annual salary uh, will be... So this is, she was talking about an APS4, so, you know, someone on $78,000, right? So in terms of the 11.2% um, deal on the table, their annual salary will be $10,134 below what it would have been if it was in line with inflation. To achieve parity with inflation from December 2019, we'd need a pay offer of 17.2% over three years. To achieve parity with inflation since September 2013, we'd need a pay offer of 22.9%. The current 11.2% offer not only fails to guarantee wages that keep up with the cost of living over the next three years, it also fails to make up for years of wage freezes and stagnations. Our workers have seen their pay deteriorate enormously over the past decade, with the average worker losing tens of thousands of dollars cumulatively against what they would have earned at inflation-level pay. So, um, yeah, I well, obviously I agree with that, and I think it's... For me, one of the stark reasons why the uh, the election is important and one of the reasons why uh, I'm supporting Members United in the CPSU election, particularly when we look at outcomes um, of what else has been happening in the public sector. We've had some very good uh, wins by nurses and teachers. Uh, also, park on the point that nurses and teachers have had to fight for those victories, but they've built those victories on the basis of building power in their workplaces and taking sustained industrial action with rolling stoppages and, and uh, bans and the like. That's been great to see in state governments. But what do we got in the 
federal public sector, it's been just terrible, right? Not good at all. Um, I mean, I, I think the key point for me is why, I mean, I've answered the question, why should we care? Well, it says it pretty soon, doesn't it, you know? And, well, we should also have a little think. You should always uh, remind yourself the best way to judge how a federal government treats its, um, how, how a federal government is going to treat you is how it treats its workers. And it's just not good enough in terms of what has been put on the table in uh, APS negotiations. So, I mean, basically, I believe, and as many of our listeners would believe, that like, really, why should public sector workers that keep the fabric of our society glued together, more often than not with kids' PVA uh, glue than super glue, why should they accept another three years of getting poorer? Really, why? There's no reason why the government needs to do what it's doing in terms of what's happening. There's no reason why Katie Gallagher, who's the minister responsible, not only just the minister for finance, as well as the minister has um, responsibility for the Australian Public Service. There's no reason why they have to continue down this path. We have literally, uh, the government has been running a surplus in its budget. It's a government that is still committed to handing over hundreds of millions of dollars in tax breaks coming very soon. Uh, the so-called part um, A changes and, and B changes. Anyway, we've talked about it in the past. Nuts, the money is there. We're spending a uh, ridiculous amount of money on submarines we'll probably never see or need. <laughs> These things are all happening under a Labor-led government and is disgraceful that they can't even give federal government workers, the people who get things going, help get the glue going for our society, can't give them a cost of living wage increase after 10 years of stagnating wages and wage cuts due to the cost of living um, situation. It's not good enough. So the outcome of the CPSU, PSC, PSU um, elections will have implications for the broader union movement, not just on how bargaining will be conducted, but also it'll challenge how the relationships between unions and the LP uh, interact. As there's been a, a bit of coverage in uh, the local press and in, in some of the um, uh, around the around the joint, the elections holding up over the question of affiliation to the Australian Labor Party. Um, it's a key point. It's a key issue. There is this sort of very interesting situation where you have the CPSU's national executive, um, uh, the national executive um, national secretary Melissa Donnelly, who sits on the national executive of the Australian Labor Party which is like the peak group, peak uh, running group, running the operations of the Australian Labor Party. So there's a perception problem there, but it's also like, what are they doing? What, what is what is, what is Melissa doing? What is the leadership of the CPSU doing to pressure Katie and people who loves dining out on the fact that she was once a union organiser a very long time ago? What are they doing? What, literally, I'm just bashing me and like a lot of people, incredibly frustrated as to what are they understanding, what is it that they are, are trying to achieve by literally continually, effectively continuing to impose the same wage restraint, the same methodology of cutting the wages of public sector workers when we know that we have the, the wealth there in the kitty and we know that the big end of town is making huge profits and we know that there is actually really serious things coming down the pipeline currently hitting the Australian um, society, whether it's climate change, whether it's the aging uh, population, whether it's literally poverty going on, 
what what is what is going on with these people who seem to have jettisoned any idea of their what their values are let alone looking at the stark reality of what is actually available there is no real rational reason to continue down this road of neoliberal austerity being imposed on um, ordinary people via um, imposing wage freezes and the like in the Commonwealth public sector and then going on to do things like, you know, having cuts in the public sector and the like. Don't get me wrong, it's a huge uh, step forward to have the Australian Labor Party in government and in terms of its uh, interactions with the Australian public service. Yes, there's been some changes there. That is good. But so much more needs to be done. And it is incredibly frustrating for many people to see how this has panned out um, because on the one hand, it's the frustration you can have with the Labor Party, but it's also what is the CPSU doing to actually publicly come out and apply pressure to the federal government? Now, only until very recently, literally in the last couple of weeks, like, you know, in a handful of weeks, if that, the uh, CPSU in the, in the federal sphere has actually increased, um, allowed the increase of activism and some industrial action, isolated industrial action, I say, uh, in its membership. And now, now, I mean, some people are quite cynical as this being perfectly timed to just happens to coincide with a, uh, an election that they were having to fight for the first time in 20 years. Or is it a recognition that they actually have to, um, you know, maybe do a little bit more than just, you know, relying that our, some people's friends are going to do the right thing for them? Because we know it's not the case. Uh, we know that the Labor uh, PLP is, needs to be, pressure needs to be applied to get anything you want. So, um, people are asking questions about affiliation, and I welcome um, the fact that people are asking questions about the CPSU being affiliated to the ALP. There's a big question about, well, what has been achieved? The CPSU has now been affiliated to the ALP and the ACT for over 10 years. Uh, why the ALP works is done on a state-by-state -state basis. It's not one of these things that you, you know, can't blanch join at, at all at once. The When the CPSU did affiliate, there was no plebiscite. All these things, there's other articles you can check out in the Jacobin talking about some of that history. Great, great piece in the Jacobin about that. But I think the key thing is like affiliation is only useful if a, a pressure is being applied loudly, quietly, but also loudly inside the Labor Party as well as outside. And the important bit here is the missing bit for me. It's not being applied loudly inside the party. You know, so that people actually in the outside know that there is a fight going on in the party to actually get better situation for uh, members that are part of that union. But it's also not loudly happening in the workplace. We've got a situation that's become very apparent in the APS. There is no plan from the current leadership to for a coordinated industrial campaign at all. They've been caught on the hop. They thought they'd get a good deal. They bet the bank on uh, the change of government and they've been shown completely wanting, wanting now. And we're back to where things were back in 14, where, you know, where there was actually an opportunity and they'd been planning for a national fight, which they pulled the pin on disgracefully. And now I've got a situation where nothing's been prepared. So we're back to Services Australia and some of the other sites in the APS doing one-off industrial action, you know, an hour here. 24 hours there with no strike fund no coordination um and it's people would be led down the river to a defeat unless there is coordination unless there is actually some seriousness applied about uh taking it to the government and replying pressure wherever and absolutely everywhere that the cpsu has coverage uh, bugger the numbers um 
Really, seriously. We've seen the success of unions like RAFU where they've gone into big companies and said, we don't care if we've got 10 members, we're going to go and strike with those 10 members. And funnily enough, they've actually been able to achieve outcomes there. Um, I mean, that's just a, of that. This idea that um, would often get propagated, I remember exposed to this one. Oh, well, we can only have industrial action if we have a majority of the membership. And then, oh, we need, um, you know, my majority of the membership in the workplace. And then we can talk about it. And it, it just... It just doesn't happen. We know it doesn't happen. We know that literally if you want to actually achieve the outcome of getting a majority of members in the union, well, you need to actually be taking action. Because we also know perversely from the history um, and the sordid history as far as I'm concerned of the last 10 years of the community and public sector union, a union that, that was growing when it was building for a big fight in 2013, they then pulled a pin on it. it they had quite successfully all turning around their um, problems with... Uh, retaining membership they were getting well over well over 50 or 55 or thousand members i remember seeing this it was nuts being there at the time but in 10 years then now you know barely above forty thousand members it's been a massive cut reduction in membership and it's all happened on the, the watch with the same group of people are now in there actually not even that it's not the same group of people that were there 10 years ago it's the people who work for them they're now the people running it <laughs> and Sorry, while a couple of them are quite good operators and quite smart and whatever, they've done, you know, got a history of doing some good stuff. It's very clear there is no plan, no plan, no seriousness about actually getting, taking action and rebuilding workplace-led democratic structures and the uh, the coverage of the union. So I could wrap it on for the, for more and more about this in a while because, look, we'll um, get to the key thing. The elections are on at the moment. Uh, CPSU members should have received their their ballot this week. Um, what you need to do is, if you haven't received your ballot, you can get in contact with the Australian Electoral Commission. So they sent out ballots this week to all eligible members who were financial as of the 30th of August this year. The ballot opened on the 1st of November and it closes at 10am on Wednesday the 6th of December. So if you've uh, changed addresses or any of those things, addresses or anything like that, you need to call the AA Australian Electoral Commission returning officer. It can be reached on 03-9285-7111 or you can email I-E-B-E-V-E-N-T-S, that's I-E-Bevents at eac.gov.au. The other thing you can do for more information is I highly recommend you get on and check out the Members United uh, website and get involved with them. You can volunteer with them. They're doing some fantastic campaigning around workplaces, talking to hundreds and hundreds of members and doing uh, some great work there. So uh, my hope is there that that election campaign will shake some things up, even if they don't win. They've already won in the fact that the rhetoric and some action is actually finally starting to happen uh come out of the cpsu that's already part of the victory the fact that there's actually a ticket running uh is a fantastic thing so best of luck to all those candidates there i'm supporting members of united i urge our listeners who are in that coverage to do so too and even if you're not a member of members united i think the fact that the election has an outcome and bargaining the aps is an outcome for workers more broadly Look, you can throw them some dollars. You can support Members United. Visit the website, which is membersunitedteam.com, and you can make a donation to the campaign. Do that. It's a group that's purely run by 
a range of like-minded individuals. It's absolutely broad in terms of the backgrounds and uh, diversity of people across the Australian Public Service, the ACT government and beyond the coverage of the CPSU. Um, yeah, highly recommend you check it out and get behind them. And uh, all the best to them. I uh, was hoping to have a bit more of a longer chat uh, with um, some of the candidates and key supporters of Members United. But as the um, the ballots are out this week, they've been incredibly busy in the last two weeks. And I had technical difficulties last week when I meant to sat down with them. So we'll come back and talk to them, I figure, after the election. Because we'll know on the 6th, or hopefully just after the 6th of December, what the outcome is of that election. Hope you've enjoyed and it's been an interesting little chat for you our regular listeners and thank you for staying tuned we'll have more for you soon uh so two things to do there free free palestine get out to those solidarity act actions and activities uh get onto your local mla local mp local senator whoever call for a ceasefire support the calls for a ceasefire and the other thing if you're in the cpsu or beyond uh, get behind members united that's it for the show, you've been listening to Dole Capital. You can keep an eye on our updates on our Twitter and Facebook accounts, which are at Dole Capital, D-O-H-K-A-P-I-T-A-L. You can subscribe to this podcast or become a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Dole Capital. And yeah, thank you so much to you, our listener, for staying with us. You've been with Ben. Speak to you again soon.